Welcome everybody to Panfish Nation along with Mark. I'm Lyle and Mark, we got a great guest on tonight. We're going to talk about tying jigs up. What do you think? That's something we like a lot, you and I. <laughs> we do. We've corrupted so many people and we've, we've got a whole new generation of jig and fly tires that we brought into the to the union and I'm really glad that we have uh, and we have a great one tonight. Jay Worth's going to be with us and he has a a YouTube channel called Jay is Outdoorsy. If you haven't checked him out, you need to make sure that you go over and watch some of his videos and subscribe to him because the content he has is absolutely wonderful. And he lives in the state of New York. So he does a lot of walleye tying and crappie tying and panfish, all kinds of stuff. Um, He's a little more elaborate on things than maybe what some of us do. So, it's a worthwhile thing and great content. We'll get to Jay in just a second, Mark. What do you think about uh, inviting all the people into the show? Absolutely. We got to give them a greeting. I want to point out 922's uh, comment there. That is one heck of a perch on that thumbnail. I got to agree. Perch are near and, near and dear to my heart, most definitely. So let's say hello to everybody <laughs> in chat. Speaking of which, there's 922 Crappie Barbecue. How you doing, bud? Uh, channel member, Adventures with Robin. See, Robin had a tree hitter house yesterday. Hopefully that's getting all worked out, Robin. Oh, I'm sorry wow. to hear yeah, that I hope so. But thank goodness that everybody is okay. Um, and also, yeah, thank you for supporting the channel, Robin. We appreciate you. Lyle, you got the link in the description if they want to become a channel member? Um, good question, Mark. I will have it in there after the show. I'm sorry I did not get it this way. All week. right, sounds good. We should have touched bases on that. That's my fault. Uh, Annette's catfishing in the house. How you doing, Miss Annette? Uh, Abbott Fisherman, what's up, Abbott? How you doing, buddy? I see uh, Buck Williams in the house. What's up, Buck? Uh, there's Catfish Hammer. There's Chucky. How you doing, sir? Danny Stone Outdoors. Uh, what's up, Danny? Fish in the Mid-South. There's Halana's Catfish Adventures. What's up, Halana? J.G. Hill Studio in the house. Channel member, Joe Buck 66 What's going on, Joe? There's a great Maurice Kaysen. How you doing, Maurice? What's going on? Joe Ziegler's here. Uh, Ray Smith. How you doing, Ray? There's my buddy, Real and Virtual Outdoors. What's going on? Tim Molina. I'm going to meet up with my friend Tim tomorrow, probably, or hopefully. Uh, let's see. Uh, un- Wait. Upstate chickens. There we go. I like chickens, Lyle. <laughs> welcome, Upstate chickens. Welcome, welcome. If you, guys haven't shared, if you guys can or you haven't shared out the stream, please do so. We'd appreciate it. We can get more people in here. If you haven't hit that thumbs up yet, please do. We'd appreciate it, and they're free, right, Lyle? That's right. I, I think we got that. everybody, buddy. I see Avid's in here, and I know he's having some eye surgery. Hope everything's good with that. I think it got postponed, so hopefully when he does finally get it, it's uh, it'll get all worked out right. Yeah, it, it'll, he'll be happy he did. I went through some of that here a few years ago. I think you remember that. and worked out for me, so I know it'll work out for him. Jay, welcome to the show. We're, we're so happy to have you on Fanfish Nation tonight. Um I've been following. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. I was uh, tickled uh, just, you know, for the request. So, really you know, we, uh, I've been following you for a long time. And um, I follow a lot of channels, but I follow a lot of them that are um, tying jigs for some reason. I just, you know, of course, I tie every day. 
Every, yeah. I mean, uh, I have a vice set up behind the green screen here, and and I have one complete desk dedicated to flying and jig time. So, you know, as you do, it's very evident that you tie a lot. Right. And I sit here and tie, and I have a little monitor set up, and I watch YouTube videos just just the way you just described, you know, as I'm tying. And <laughs> there's guys that I enjoy watching, and uh, sometimes it's just background noise, and sometimes sometimes I steal uh, techniques. You know, do you try to design stuff on your own or do you try to modify other people's things? Or I noticed when I'm watching somebody tie a video or a, in a video tying something and it'll catch my eye and I'm thinking that would work. But if I do it another way, maybe it's going to be better. And I might tie that same uh, pattern 15, 20 times before I get it to where I think it'll work for me. Do you do that? Sure, I do. And, you know, there's a lot of influences. It's not just um, uh, YouTube, but other people that I'm tying with. And to be honest, um, I was kind of excited for the show. So I'm sitting here, you know, an hour or two before the show. And I'm <laughs> tying just to pass the time. And I actually tied up this uh fly here and it was just from a guy that um does a uh wolf river rig and since streamers are something that i've been doing a lot more lately um i copied the fly that he held up and said was his favorite fly it's very similar to um the way they used to tie jigs in the uh, early 70s um almost like a a large crappie jig so it has a chenille body and then a top wing and a bottom wing um, but yeah, I, I did that tonight, just waiting for the show. So if, have you noticed, I know that I've noticed some changes. Uh, you talked about the seventies. I started tying about 1983, four or five, somewhere along in there. And mostly mm -hmm. jigs for trout fishing or, uh, flies for trout fishing. And then I got into jig stuff for bluegill cause I dearly love to catch bluegill, but I've noticed, the change in the way a lot of stuff is tied since the eighties up into now. Have you noticed that? I do think, I do think there is a change and um, I'm probably not as um, detailed about it or, or I don't collect the information when I notice it, but you'll, you'll notice things when you go to different States or different areas in the same state. Um, how things have changed and evolved, um, you know, a technique or a type of jig that, you know, you might have remembered from when you were a kid and it's lost favor in your area might be the hot new jig, you know, just a few hours drive away. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do notice that. And I, and I think there's always been a big influence um, for freshwater jig tires on the saltwater guys. Um, that were using them way before. <laughs> and then if you look in the uh, the books on the history of streamer fishing, um, Joe Bates Jr. is probably the biggest name that comes to mind with all the different books written on streamer fishing from that guy. Um, they were waiting streamer hooks um, and basically creating bucktail jigs. So, I, you know... It, it does change, um, and and I am I'm interested when you find out 
you know, different locations, different states um, have some of those same, those influences that, that you might've seen in other areas. So. Very cool. Hey, I need to thank uh, Ray Smith for becoming a channel member. I want to say hello to Slick. What's going on, Slick? Also, Robin has been a member for four months. Thank you for your support, Robin. We definitely appreciate you. We sure do. I'm glad to see Slick in here. I've been missing his videos. I'm sure he'll be coming out with some more uh, before long. Another uh, moderator on SK's uh, Wednesday night show, too. Thanks, Matt. Um Oh, James Dockery. What's up, James? Glad to see you in here tonight. Um, Jay, it, um, I know in New York, the fishing that you do, um, I, I'm sure you have crappie and bluegill and all the same stuff, but that's a big walleye state. Am I right about that? It is. I'm just a couple minutes from the Susquehanna. Um, so that's a go-to um, fishing from shore, we do that quite often here locally. Um, also for pike, um, we have a lot of northerns in some of the same waters um, where we're fishing. And, you know, I'm outside of Binghamton. So, you know, that whole stretch along the um, New York, Pennsylvania border. Um, also the lakes up in central New York. Um, I'm not far from Whitney Point and Oneida Lake and the Finger Lakes, of course. So um, walleye is probably the main thing that, that um, I like catching, that and perch. Those are my two main, you know, fish that I like to fish for. Um, but, of course, we, we do have a lot of panfish. Um, and it just depends, you know, where you're at. I don't mind what we're catching as long as we're catching something. I... Um... I know that Mark's going to probably want in on this part of the conversation. Um, he loves freshwater perch. Mm -hmm. And I have never had the opportunity to catch one, although when we make our trip to Mendota this year, I'm going to try my best to pick a day just to go after panfish and try to catch a perch because he tells me, and maybe you can help answer this question. Mark tells me that perch are as good or better to eat than crappie. I think they're better. <laughs> wow. Yes, I am a big fan of perch. I love fishing perch. Um, doesn't matter if it's summertime or wintertime. That's amazing because um, I'm very intrigued by that. Mark keeps telling me how good they are. And I've had some other people say, well, they're pretty good, but they're not crappie and uh, it's a big debate. So if we can get one of them when we get to Wisconsin this year, we're going to have a, a, a throwdown and find out. We'll, we'll, we'll try and find them again this year, Lyle. Uh, my, my best, the best way I can describe it is perch is just as good as crappie, but it tastes more like fish than crappie does. More fishy. If that makes any sense. Not fishy, but it tastes a little more like fish. Where crappie such a bland a kind of blank canvas. I love crappie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get the team to you. I, I kind of like fish altogether. Um, uh, most all of it's good. <laughs> JG says, uh, yes, sir, perch are very good. Walleye is the better. Well, I, I think uh, crappie is better than walleye, but that's just my opinion. You know, everybody's got their own deal. Um, 
how much fishing do you actually get to do, Jay? You know, I probably don't fish nearly as much as I'd like to. Um, we were talking before the show about um, this winter being just so terribly warm. Um, it's 48 degrees here today, and normally we're still ice fishing. Um, but we haven't had decent ice. You know, I'd, I'd have to drive two hours north um, wow. to find some ice. Um, and I'm also 30 minutes away from the Catskills. So fly fishing is uh, another thing that I don't do nearly as much um, as I'd like to. Um, so that along with the tying that I do and, you know, all the other activities. Um, yeah. I wish there was more days in a week and more hours in a day. I got um, you. Yeah. I, I try to get out as much as I can. Real quick, a quick question back to the streamers real quick. Now, when you're using streamers, what are you using those mainly for? Are you using for those Susquehanna uh, smallmouth, or are you a pike fisherman? Well, that's kind of a, a new thing that I just, this past winter, just, you know, just got bit by a bug where I was really diving deep into um, researching streamers specifically for walleye. Uh -huh. um, I was watching a lot of videos um, of guys in Wisconsin and Wolf River um, and fishing walleye streamers on a, on a three-way uh, line. Now, as a kid, we used to tie a really ugly um, bucktail streamer, just a clump of hair lashed onto the hook, basically. Um, I just called it a teaser. I didn't think it really represented much. And we fished it just like they describe with the three three-way rig um, the only difference is that we added a split shot to the fish one fly with a split shot on the main line and um, just pulled it you know from shore fishing the Susquehanna my dad taught me how to tie that one of the that was one of the first things I learned how to tie as a boy just because it was so simple and he always explained that they fished it that way, you know, in the 40s when he was a teenager in the Shenango River and uh, the Susquehanna. Um, and that's one of those things that's, I think, an old thing that, at least in this area, yep. um, isn't used much uh, all that often. I did learn recently that uh, up in Oneida Lake, Sylvan Beach area, the guys use that rig as well. I just had a couple of orders I made about this morning. Um, so, you know, it, it's still something that people use. Um, and I'm looking forward to this spring. There's, there's two locations I really want to try it at. One is super rocky and you lose jigs every three or four casts. Um, when I fish the spillway, which is so rocky, I don't even use my hair jigs. Um, I'll lose one or two and then I just switch over to twister tails. And um, we do well, love catching the walleye there. Um, but uh, you have to, you know, put up with losing a lot. Yeah. Um, so trying that three-way three -way rig with the fly, walleye fly, there I'm looking forward to. And then there's a, a location five minutes from the house here that um, is well known for not only walleye, but they pulled big pike out of there as well. So, and, and you guys have a lot of pickerel out that way too, right? Which we actually don't here, but sure. Yep. Wintertime fishing. There's a few lakes we go to that you're catching as many pickerel as, is anything else that you're catching. Yeah. I watch, I watch uh, Joe Cermelli 
uh, fishing out that way all the time, and he's a big streamer user, and he's a pike and and a, a pickerel fanatic. That uh, at least in the freshwater side. So that's always cool to see him use that. And if I was to bring a a, a fly rod, and I, I definitely would bring some streamers up to Mendota Lyle to get on one of them big old pike up there. I think that's the way to do it. I, I, in, at least in my opinion, and I'm no expert when it comes to fly fishing or fly tying or anything. I'm just kind of consider myself a newbie, but they, they, they mimic bait fish rather than insects. Correct. So sure. That's, yep. that's more of the kind of fishing that I am familiar with. So yeah, that's where and I think the rig I I'm using is going to be on a spinning rod. Um, though I do have a, a good friend who who fly fishes for pike and he's he's pulled some big fish out on a fly rod and that's got to be terribly exciting yeah yeah i just watched jay siemens a video from jay simmons siemens siemens way up north in canada and he i think he was on lake of the woods and he was fly fishing for some big pike that looked like a lot of fun that's something i definitely would like to do yeah and those flies, they're tying some really, really long flies. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that I've been doing, I'm trying to um, kind of combine what I have fished, fly fishing in the Catskills for trout with a uh, trout streamer, um, and, and kind of combine that with how I tie a jig. So I'm using a hook that's the same size as a 5.8 walleye-style jig. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be the same profile. It's just going to have that three-way rig with the different, you know, you're attaching the weight differently, but, um, I think it'll work because of the, it's representing just, just the same thing that the jig was representing. So. Gotcha. I'm falling down the rabbit hole. I fought it for about, for about a year, Jay. And then Lyle got me into it. Cause I, once I get into something like that, it's, it's not pretty. And I gotta, I can't talk real loud to wife's in the other room. She finds out what I'm buying. I'll be in trouble. Welcome Jeremy. Glad to have you in chat tonight. Um, I know a guy that's got three or four fly rods sitting in his room right here. Close. You got my address, right? Lyle? Yeah. I do. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I love fly fishing, um, but like I say, I'm a bluegill fisherman. Um, the pike and stuff, uh, I'm thinking that you'd have to have like an eight or nine weight, maybe even more, uh, to fly fish those uh, successfully. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I don't, that's something that I don't do um, all that much. It's because it it's mostly because it's a whole bunch of new gear. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So for the big fish, I stick to the spinning rods. Uh, I, I'm very fortunate in that. My wife really doesn't. Well, she does at times, but for the most part, she doesn't really bother me too much about uh, my fishing habit. Um, well, because she's got her own fishing habit, so it's a little. She easier. does have, yeah. <laughs> she loves it as much as I do, but uh, I'm pretty sure I could squeeze a new boat out if I really pushed it, but. <laughs> Mine's paid for, and I don't want to do that, you know. You, uh, you know, Lyle, you, you need that dream boat. You need to get that done. I've had them. I've had the dream boats. and You need, you need another one. I don't think so. I can I, help I, you pick one out. <laughs> You're awful, awful liberal with that. Help you out. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Oh, uh, man. R says his bucket list fish is a tw- uh, 20 pound pike or a muskie on a fly rod. That would be a fun yeah, thing to come across. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That, that really would be. Um, 
And Robin C was asking if you could show off one of those walleye jigs for her. I can. And what I was tying while we were waiting is um, oh. I was just tying more fire tiger. Hmm. Can we see this real good? Yeah, we it. can. So this is just a five eighths <clears throat> jig, um, just a three color. It's kind of a perch pattern. A lot of times I've seen these um, tied with um, brown is the top color. Um, but this is just a chartreuse yellow and uh, the orange belly. And I got the uh, purple thread to match the purple stripes. Very nice. And then I was, I was also tying uh, and this is one of the um, the newer heads that I've I've started painting uh, this year in oh, like purple, and it's the airbrushed head. And this paint, the interesting thing on this paint is. It looks black, but I've only, I only used one color paint. It's just a purple, and I layer it so it it is so much darker on the top, and then just has that plum um, with the uh, pearl paint for the bottom. Yeah, I like that. that that's really good. Now, would um, I know that we're we're looking at at these jigs as you're making them, but. We need to get on this airbrush uh, thing cause, because I have an airbrush and I have a new compressor to run it with. Um, I had the air, airbrush for years and never used it. Mm -hmm. I am interested in learning how to airbrush instead of powder coat the, the jig heads. But um, mostly what I do is round ball heads and you're using different stuff and a lot bigger than what I use for crappie and bluegill and stuff. Yeah. Um, I might have one or two. This is where to go. I might've tied it. Hold on. There it is. So this is a one eighth. Ball nice. head. Yep. And that's, painted with the uh, walleye colors so it's a white pearl on the belly and then over that i added the gold paint and then there's just a light um, dusting a black on the head that's beautiful yeah but this is a one eighth so it's getting a little bit smaller those smaller sizes what um what kind of paint are you using to do that jay now for the airbrush, and this is one thing that um, if I was starting a business fresh tomorrow and, and, and was new to, to tying, to jig tying, powder paint is probably the way to go. It's the most durable um, and, and really what most people are looking for nowadays, I think. Um, the first jig I showed with just a plain brown head, that's just epoxy paint. It's the paint that, you know, when my father first started the business in the early 60s, and we've just been using the same type of paint ever since. And then just recently getting into the airbrushing, I wanted to, I didn't want to do away with the old way of painting. 
um, because I do like producing that old school, um, old fashioned jig. It's just something that you don't find anymore. Yeah. That finish um, on them is something that I remember walking through bait shops when I was a exactly. lot younger, seeing on, seeing, hanging on the pegs and stuff. Definitely. Right. So doing that traditional style of tying and painting, you know, I still want to continue doing that, but the airbrush paints are, um, mostly wicked. Um, I use their Autoborn sealer um, as a base. Um, and there is a, uh, what do they call it? A, uh, it's a polymer, uh, acrylic polymer. It, it, and it's quite durable. And then uh, what I end up using for a clear coat is the same, um, the diamond coat that the guys use on the big giant pipe lures, you know, that they're dipping their big wooden lures in. Okay. Um, so I figured if that's tough enough for a pike lure, you know, it's going to be tough enough for a jig head. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing, I, the thing that I like most about powder coating is it is very durable compared to a lot of other types of jig head paint. And there's a question in chat, how important is cooking your jigs for me? It's really important because it hardens the paint uh, a, right. lot, a lot more than if you don't cook them. Sure, and in the um, the internal temperature of the jig too is a is a big deal. So it's one thing to if you're using powder paint and you're baking them in the oven, and your oven says 400 degrees, but it's that internal temperature um, that uh, correct if you really get into powder painting to be able to make sure that it's as durable as possible. But that's, you know, it's, that's just out of my, out of my wheelhouse. You know, I'm, I'm the old fashioned jig guy, you know? Yep. I understand. The, um, yeah. um, Avid wants to know if you sell those jigs, which I'm sure that you do. Can you give, uh, people, do they just contact you on your, uh, I do. Um, if you want something custom, um, you know, go ahead on the YouTube page in the about section has the um, email address. Um, I also have a website, jworthhandtied.com, which is brand new. Um, it has a handful of jigs available. And my plan is just, you know, every week or two, just adding one or two things it might slow down a little bit because springtime's coming so i'm going to be making my runs up to bait chops and you know the Bing broom county binghamton area uh up to syracuse and around oneida lake is my primary stomping grounds uh sell a little bit out towards the finger lakes and um down towards the catskills so i but definitely uh, check out the website the website's brand new Absolutely. And um, what, was the, what was the name of the website again? jworthhandtied.com. T-I-E or E-D? T-I-E-D. Okay. I'm trying to find it so I can get a link up here for everybody. That would be great. Um, there was another question in here. I, I missed it. I don't see it now. I want to welcome Van with V3 Custom Kentucky in here tonight. Glad to see him in here. Man, let me know that make sure that you got your mug. I know it's been sent for a while and I've had a lot going on. You should have got it, but uh, with everything going on, I just want to make sure. 
QC Fishing Brian. Welcome. Um, how did you get started in doing this? I mean, um, this is a, a very addictive hobby. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if, if you want to make, you know, $2 million um, tying jigs, you start with four <laughs> and try your hardest, right? That's right. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was born into it. Um, my father, uh, after returning from Korea, was a big outdoorsman, fisherman. Um, and though he worked a regular um, salesman type job, um, started processing fur and feathers, um, dyeing them, um, getting the raw furs and, and uh, salting, you know, cleaning, salting them, you know, everything that's involved with um, just the initial, you know, making the materials itself. Along with tying jigs, he sold all the materials um, to all the bait shops that he went to up and down uh, the East Coast. Um, so I was just born into it. So at, you know, my earliest memories, you know, I was stirring the dye pots and uh, laying out the tails and flipping them when they were dry on one side and, you know, still damp on the other. Um, you know, I learned how to tie a jig when I was about 10, 12 years old, somewhere in that that time period. And I've just been doing it ever since. Um, you know, I helped out, you know, when, when dad was still um, alive and kicking and, and uh, busy with the business, I would help out during the busy seasons and, you know, um, tie whatever he needed tying. Um, as he got older, I would make the jig runs and whatnot. And uh, when dad passed in 2003, you know, I just, I just kept going with it. I don't uh, process the tails. I do have a couple boxes in the garage in the corner that the wife doesn't know about, but um, I don't do it in the scale that, that dad used to. Um, you know, he had, we would buy, he would buy tails by the ton. Wow. And he would have thousands of deer tails that were in the, some were split open and salted, some were being dyed, some were, um, still being uh, cleaned and getting ready to be bleached um, and then packaged and everything that's involved with that. So um, I'm doing it at a much smaller scale. Um, just something that's manageable for me. Um, I think at one time we uh, dad even had about 12 other tires that were tying for him. Um, wow. And I have in my file cabinet, there's back in the day, Binghamton had a few different, uh, jig tires. Um, there's a guy that made a uh, big spinner that seemed pretty, uh, pretty famous, I guess. It, you know, I have a couple that are still on cards and packaged. Um, there was a guy, Gusto, that also uh, processed tails and he would sell them to fly shops. Um, the way they did their tails is they chopped them up. So you would just have a package that would be enough for maybe 10 jigs. Um, so kind of interesting, but that's going back, you know, 40, 50 years. So, but yeah, I was just born into it and it's just something I love doing. I would do this, you know, it's one of those things you do, even if you're not getting paid. It's that's exactly what I right. Do to pass the time. That's exactly right. I sell several jigs, but I do it because I like to do it. And the, the uh, fact that I can sell a couple to support my 
habit uh, just makes it easier on me. But, and, and to tell you the truth, and, and you might agree or not agree with this, but when I get a picture from somebody that's actually caught a really good fish on, on one of my ties or one of the rods I've built, that's, uh, that's, it makes it so much worthwhile that it's, it's really unbelievable. Absolutely. I think I would tie for free if, if that's the, the feedback that, that you get constantly. That's exactly um, right. Yeah. I want to welcome Kim Burnett into chat. Glad to see him. One of the great jig tires in his own right. Lives up in Kansas City. Him and I hopefully will get together and get to fish this, this summer. We didn't make it last year, so we're going to try it again. But uh, uh, I was watching Kim a little bit last night. I had a bunch of stuff going on and didn't get in his chat, but I was watching just the same, Kim. You, you had those to know were, I was in there. <laughs> yeah, those red and orange jigs were or bad to the bone. It was awesome, too. wasn't it? Yeah, I yeah. like them. Live in Minnesota outdoors. Glad to see you in here, Eric Pierce. Uh, looks like we're still getting Got crappie day in. fish on. He's oh. a channel member. What's going on, bud? Always glad to see him in here. Um, Mark, what kind of questions you got for? Uh, uh, I was just on his site. Now, did we touch bases? I know we talked a little bit before the show on what kind of fly tie vice he uses. Because I'm looking at the one on his site, and that thing is looks pretty darn cool. It's it looks like it's an older one, maybe even an antique. But that's that's art right there. What, yeah, what that, is that that one? vice I've been tying on. Uh, I I was telling Lyle before the show. Um, it's a Universal Two made by Universal Vice. Um, I tied on one for 15 years or so, and then decided to replace it with the one that I'm tying on now. Um, I replaced it when my oldest boy was uh, before grade school. And I've been tying on it ever since. He's 27, 28 now. I've, I've probably messed up the date, uh, the age between him and the other kids, but he's he's at least 27. I know, I know that's tell. at least. So, but yeah, I, I do have another vice. Um, I have two benches uh, in my time space. The other bench has a Renzetti uh, presentation 3000, um, which is also, a, that's just a really sweet vice. So, um, but I have all my cameras on this table. So this is the vice that most people see. Um, there's a couple videos with the other vice. And I have a, a smaller wolf, uh, the, the, their basic model. Um, that I use for is a travel vice mm -hmm. and a couple others that, you know, I like to play with, but this is the workhorse. And um, the only thing uh, lately, uh, the last two years, there's been a bunch of videos that I've done uh, with bass fishermen. So I've been tying jigs where the hook size was really pushing the limits of this universal. So the, that's the only reason if I was tying um, some of the bigger bass jigs with the two watt hooks and the big trocar, you know, the yeah. really thick, heavy wire hooks, um, I would definitely have to find something different. But um, anything smaller than that, um, the Universal 2 really is a nice vice. Uh, and who, what's the company's name that makes those? Universal Vice. They're, they're long gone. Um, okay. They used to sell. They had a couple really nice um, vice, one that was more geared towards fly tying. Um, they sold all sorts of material. I still use 
I'm sure I have on my table somewhere. Here's a package of chenille. And this was 75 cents back in the day. So how long have I had this? I don't know. But, you know, I'll pull out these packages. Uh, wow. You know, universal vice. So, and it was a nice little chenille. And this that's what I used to um, steal that idea from the... Uh, uh, De Yang, I think the kid's name is um, a guy that just ties those three three-way rigs, and he made a pretty nice fly. I really liked it, so I, I had to copy it. It, um, I would love to see the price of chenille and stuff go back to that, but I'm afraid we've lost that forever. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, same with all the tinsels and the the dubbings um, and the pelts. Um, you know, getting something, doing the fly tying. You know. Just getting a, a muskrat pelt uh, used to be pretty darn cheap, um, you know, and now you're going to pay 15, 20 bucks. So. Yeah. We was very fortunate. Mark and I have a supporter uh, through our our channel that sent us both a few bucktails, very nice bucktails this year. And uh, yep. they are really high quality. So I was excited about that because um bucktails have got extraordinarily expensive but they make them in every imaginable color you can't go wrong with bucktail you just can't right and, and when we were dyeing them um you know it seemed like you always had the color that you wanted but like you mentioned now it's really easy so mm -hmm. you know that's just the business has changed. It's just one thing that, um, you know, I don't do it because I don't have to. Right. You know, so it's so easy to find. You just go on the computer and you can find almost anything you need at any time. I do know that right now it is really hard to find a purple bucktail. Um, so when you, when you do get a chance to find them, people are snatching them up. Um, but I have, uh, that's another thing. I don't know if you can see the cabinets behind me, but I have two big file cabinets that each of them just have bags and bags of bucktails. Um, you know, there's nothing in the drawers. It just it's except bags of bucktails. Um, another one has bags of chenille. Another one has, it's just filled with cafftail. So. That sounds like uh, Kim Burnett. He's got tons and tons of stuff. Yes. Well, you have to be somewhat of a hoarder, <laughs> you know, when it comes down to it. You had mentioned, uh, well, real quick, let's get to Robin's question. She says, um, have you ever made a jig from uh, untraditional, untraditional materials? You know, um, yes, of course, um, but I don't like to. I, as I kind of mentioned before i do consider myself somewhat traditional in the sense that i i prefer those natural materials um but uh on the website there's a couple pictures of flies that i did just recently um, within the last few weeks that are using um craft fur um exclusively um so i i will use things that aren't as traditional you know, and this is a kind of a funny story, and it's something that I noticed back, I must have been a young teen, 12, 13-ish years old, when I remember that Sally Hansen's was a thing. 
Um, I do. Sally Hansen's was invented much earlier than that, but it just happened to be in the early seventies when I kept hearing all the jig tires and my dad and all these old timers talking about using Sally Hansen's. I, to this day, I have a bottle right here. I refuse to use it. I, you know, I, I used it once or twice just to see what it, what it does to the jig, you know, what it looks like. I'm not a fan only because to me, this is the new fangled magic. Mm -hmm. um, and even though it's 40 years old, 50 years old, um, to me, it's still just too newish. Um, I do use a lot of tinsels and crystal flash and that type of thing and chenilles in the tying. But um, yeah, I'm, and it could, it, it's, it could be a fault of mine. Um, but yeah, it's, there's just something that turns me off um, if to me it doesn't seem traditional. I got to introduce you guys to somebody. Her name's Little Bits. Little Bits. Look at that. Oh, boy, there he is. New, a new addition to the family here. Congratulations, Cindy. Yeah. <laughs> she well, is you a, know who's going to end up with it. <laughs> she is a cutie pie. Oh, uh, that's adorable. You need name? some jigs little that bits. color. That's all they What'd you guys it? name her? Little bit. That's what they called it, so we could change it. We, we had a horse it. named that one time. Yeah. Yes, that's awesome. Well, We've been been struggling with this dog deal for Cindy for some time. And um, as Mark well knows, not to change the subject, Jay, but as Mark knows, <laughs> um, the price of them things have gotten out of hand. I mean, it's nothing for people to ask three or four thousand dollars for a dachshund puppy, especially a miniature like that one. And uh, I just refused to pay it. <laughs> uh, and then we went and looked at one, and the people that had it, uh, uh, they should have took better care of the dog. I, I actually kind of felt sorry for it, but we didn't get it. And then this one come up; it was over. Pictures done everything, and now it has a new home. So. Yeah. No, this one's a cutie. Congratulations! Yep, I like it. So, when are you going to get get into your your uh, 2023 fishing season, uh, Jay? Um, well, April first, um, about that time is when the trout season will open, and then um, just the month after that uh, is when the rest of the season. So, you know, I start making my runs to the uh, bait shops. Um, a week or two before April 1st and uh, I'll start getting calls from, from guys usually about now, um, especially since the ice is, um, you know, melted and our ice fishing is finished, you know, done for February. And uh, so I'll make my runs uh, for uh, April and then uh, in May. And then, you know, as soon as I'm done, making the del deliveries then i'm i'll try to fish you know sometime after that so. you got to make your deliveries around fishing holes and then this way when you drop the stuff off you can stop on the way home <laughs> yeah well i do that sometimes i'll throw the <laughs> kayak in the back and i'll spend the afternoon at oneida lake or whitney point or absolutely so yeah when we when we had an office i uh made sure that the office we got was like literally walking distance from from a little bluegill spot that i used sure. to adore so yeah 
that comes from experience. Uh, Brad over at Tidal Weights and Sinkers says, what would you say to someone just getting into tying jigs that's important? Uh, I think the main thing is tie what is interesting to you, um, really. And um, don't worry about, you know, loading up on all sorts of materials because you buy the couple colors that you need and you're tying just the jigs that you like for the fish that you like. And all of a sudden you're, you have a giant box of stuff. And then shortly after that, you need to enlarge a room because you got way too much material and you're, you know, you're doing, you're doing it because you, you love it. Um, Not because you're tying what you think people think you should be tying so yeah it you know pick the type of fish you like doing uh like fishing for and you know if you're just tying and not fishing just tie what what's interesting to you you could tie with some of those um synthetic type type materials don't listen to me (laughs) yeah just start somewhere (laughs) simple and see where it takes you is pretty much how i'm treating it so absolutely yeah it's, it's the same with fly fishing um you know i I was turned off from fly fishing for a long time. And and my dad, when he was a teenager was because we were so close to the cat skills. And even at that time, you know, his road trip was a two or three hour drive. And now I'm 30 minutes away because of the highway. But um, I was always turned off from fly fishing because I thought it was a rich guy's sport. Um, and, And you really can get into it if you just, if you want to do it and you buy the basic material that you want, and then you just do, just do it and enjoy yourself. And then, you know, eventually you'll have all that extra crap that you don't need. And Yeah. We just recently had a guest named Missy Kennedy on our show and she's as a uh, uh, thrift store orientated uh, fly tire as it gets. And she ties some pretty cool stuff. So you, there's all different levels. You don't need to spend all of that. She money. sure introduced me into some places to buy traditional and uh, whatever you want to call the other uh, stuff and places to get it uh, to where you could save a lot of money. Um, sure. And Niall, before the show, we were just talking about your Santa jig. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and I had somebody ask about that the other day. And, and I will go through that now since you brought that up uh, uh, <laughs> at Christmas time. There was a Santa figure with long stuff on it, whiskers. And that is where the Santa jigs uh, came from because uh, I seen that and instantly knew that I could tie jigs out, out of that material. And I bought one, and I'm still on the very first one. But after Christmas, they was on sale for a way reduced amount of money, and they had seven of them left. So I bought them all. And that's all they're ever going to be used for. Now, Cindy says she can use them at Christmas time, and I did give one to my daughter, but um, I've built hundreds, and I literally mean hundreds of jigs off of the first one, and I've just touched, scratched the surface on it. So I've got thousands and thousands of jigs out of those seven heads uh, that I can make those out of. And people seem to be pretty interested with it. I did fish the other day, went after bluegill and crappie in a pond uh, I found to fish. 
but all I caught was little old bass about that long, but I caught a lot of them. And they seem to like the old Santa Whisker jig, so we'll see how that works out in the future. But, uh, yeah, it's um, it's very addictive, uh, but it's fun to do. It saves you some money, and uh, like Robin says, it's, it puts her in her happy place. Don R. says... Uh, it, it's let your imagination go to work. And that's, that's a great analogy because if you can picture it, you can tie it. Sure. And I would be tying if, you know, if I wasn't making money at it, um, if I wasn't doing a YouTube thing, it, you know, I don't sit and watch TV, but I'll sit at my, I'll sit at my tying desk for, you know, a couple hours every day. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody uses skunk tails. They might, but. I do. There's there's do some you really? there's some traditional cat skill streamers um, that skunk is used um, in the traditional material list. Wow! Um, and I have a couple pelts um, that don't smell. I have a lot of odd materials. Black bear. Um, I had a, a customer of mine send me a patch of kangaroo, which was pretty interesting. That would be wow. cool. That would be yeah, cool. It, it's a, like a stiff, um, it's very much like a stiff deer body mm -hmm. hair um, and kind of neat to tie with. Um, it's always it's always good to have friends who are either into taxidermy or hunting um, or who don't mind picking up roadkill, <laughs> snipping tails off roadkill. Um, and, uh, you know, just like you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, I got I have guys at work that are uh, big hunters. Um, you know, and so if you hunt and fish, you know, I'm asking you for your tails and I'll trade you jigs and absolutely um, yeah. put the feelers out and eventually you get a nice web of support, um, to help get you some of those materials. So I see this, this, this thing that Mark pulled up here is a guy says he pulled, he tied dozens of caddish patterns off of hair, off his dog, a basset hound. My lab, yeah. I have a chocolate lab. She sheds year-round, 24-7, and there's always piles of hair laying around. And I take those in my coffee grinder, and you know what I use them for. We, we've we had uh, long-haired dogs that I've tied jigs off of each of them. Um, I've tied jigs off of each of the kids, uh, each of the four kids after their first haircut. Tied wow, jigs for that's that. cool. Um the Siberian that we have, uh, the Husky, you know, he sheds, you look at him and he's shedding. So <laughs> there's pots of hair that, you know, are perfect for dubbing almost That's any color you can imagine. Yeah. So. I'm thinking Mark needs to uh, tie a couple. I might have a, a couple of spare hair for you, Lyle. <laughs> yeah. Not for me. You tie them. They're yours. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 part I don't. So I'm right there with you. Danny Stone says, "I know it's taken me forever, but I do have some squirrel tails and going to send some extra surprises with it." Man, that'd be awesome, Danny. I I have to tell you, Danny has been working on getting me some red squirrels. I I have lots and lots of gray squirrels that come in my yard to eat my pecans. So get me having squirrel tails off of gray squirrels is not an issue. The reds, I'm however. I've been meaning to reach out to uh, um, Stu over at Coon Creek yeah. and see what he's got. He'd probably give either give me a, a good price or he he may yeah. even send me some. Stuff. He might. 
He's a cool dude. I have a squirrel that looks to be a mix down the street from me. Um, it is a squirrel, a gray squirrel body, but it has a huge red bushy tail on it. I'm going to have that squirrel. It's days are numbered. What's going I'm on? Gonna with have that squirrel? Squirrel. How are you doing? <laughs> I am. Um, for some reason, that's very intriguing to me to tie jigs with it. Thanks. Squirrel tail is excellent to tie with. It, it's oh, especially yeah. if you get a nice thick tail. Um, we don't have them here in our part of the state, but if you go a little bit north um, towards Syracuse and above, they have a black squirrel. And uh, right, I look at those tails and and think they would make a perfect. I think know, so too. We don't have them here at all. We have big reds running around here. Well, we don't have any reds in town, but there's one somewhere because I know this this one I keep seeing down there, and and I don't know what they're doing to keep them in their yard, but I got corn on the cob out in my backyard now. I'm going to get him up there one way or the other. He deserves to have jigs tied out of his tail. I, I do you use any body hair off of squirrels and rabbits and things like that, or just you know, I know well, rabbits, use he leaves a lot of dubbing off a rabbit mask and different things, but uh, I didn't know if you used any body hair off of the squirrels and stuff or not. I do. Um, the the gray squirrel in particular is great for uh, a dubbing um, as well as rabbit, like you mentioned. Um, muskrat, um, I really like using as a dubbing. That's a very, very fine hair um, mm -hmm. and kind of waterproofy. Um. Other odd materials that I'd use, um, there's a lot of different feathers. Um, of course, there's marabou, but then you also have the um, the waterproof feathers. Um, what's it called? Oh, the name escapes me. There's a waterproof feather. It looks very much like marabou, and we use it on a lot of dry flies, but it helps them float. Um, I've added uh, feathers like that. Uh, to jigs just because they're smaller a little bit you know they give a little bit different shape and profile mm -hmm. more more gill like as opposed to the long tail fibers um and then on the smaller jigs you know i do we do have jigs all the way down to 190 um so just a little tiny marabou or a little tiny hackle um uh like having uh always having good friends that are hunters I have a nice bag of uh, wood duck, um, which is probably one of the materials that has gone so much up in price. Oh, in yeah. Mallard so. has too, though. Uh, yeah. Uh, but that's one of those things I'm grateful that I have this this stash, even though I haven't used it. I haven't touched them in a few years, but I'm yep. grateful that I have it for when I need it. Um what else do we use? I don't know. There's so many, there's so much in, in terms of materials. And, you know, and like we said, dog hair, pet hair. Yeah, whatever hair. you got so, used. If, it, if it's got a different color to it, it'll, it'll at least make dubbing. Mm -hmm. You know, and, sure. and you can use it for a lot of other stuff. We have a, a question here from Eric Pierce. Jay, you mentioned bleaching tails. What do you use to bleach the hair? Uh, for that, we just did a, a solution, kind of like what you'd wash your clothes in. So, you know, a, 
a small cup of bleach to a big tub of water, you know, and just kind of wash the tails in. Um, mostly to get the grime out and, um, you know, so you lay them out flat. Um, I, I never, uh, we never pinned our tails. Um, some, some books kind of describe that just like your tanning furs. Um, but as long as you lay them out flat and, um, you know, let them dry, we never really had much of a problem of them curling, but, uh, the bleach tail is just a little bit brighter. It doesn't really change the natural color. Um, mostly just gets that dirt out. Um, I don't know if you can really see this tail. This is just a regular bleach tail, but it's, you know, this is, this is a tail somebody shot, um, a year or two ago and I, I salted this in the garage. Now you split that tail. Yep. Yep. We, I, um, I set up a table in the garage and I usually do it uh, in the winter, um, right after hunting season, uh, I put the heater out in the garage just so it's not so terribly uncomfortable. And I'll sit there and I'll do, you know, as many as I have, but the best, it's best if you do a dozen or so at a time. And, uh, I just have my regular skinning knife and a exacto knife with a curved blade. And I just slowly go through each of them, pull the bone out, I lay them out in a cardboard box and just, you could use borax, but I, I typically just use some um, kitchen salt. Right. And then I, I sift it out and save it. So I reuse it year after year. Exactly. And uh, I just let them sit in the garage. Right now I have about 50 tails out in the garage sitting in a bunch of boxes, but just uh, cardboard lids. And uh, they're just all covered with salt. And I just leave them in a, on a shelf in the corner and then when we get a nice warm uh, spring day um, where it's super nice and sunny and I can go out, I hose them off. I have a bucket of um, dish soap and water and then I wash them off in that and then I rinse them again and just lay them out in the sun. And by the end of the day, they're usually dry enough um, that I can bring them inside. If the weather's a little uh, rainy and wet, um, I'll, I'll put a clothesline in the garage and just hang them and just have a fan blowing for a day or two. Right, right. And, and that's, that's all it cool. takes. Um, there's really not much to um, salting the tails and just getting something that's useful. The squirrel tails, I just leave the bone in. I just cover those with salt for a month or two, and then they're good to go. I stripped the, uh, I stripped the tail out of the hides, and I put – put them with salt in a Ziploc bag. Yep, that works. Keep them Absolutely. in there until I pull them out, until I need one. Yep. Of course, I've sent a few of them out to people. Um, Robin says, is there a particular breed of rabbit fur you like to use? The ones uh, that I got seem like they always come from England or Germany or somewhere. Yeah, I'm not sure where, where they're from. Um, it's just whatever rabbit that they breed... Um, and you, and you just see it at your local fly shop. It's just a short haired rabbit. Um, I like the face, especially for making dubbing. Right. Um, you can just pick the, the hairs and you get that super fine hair as, as well as those longer guard hairs, which just makes a really neat dubbing. Um, and the colors, just like a squirrel, the rabbit 
even though it looks brown, it's there's there's brown, there's tan, there's gray, there's white, there's black. There's all sorts of colors mixed in, um, just in, in, out of a pinch of hair from a rabbit. So, I know we're going over a little bit here on on what we normally do for the show, but the the stuff that we're getting into here is not only interesting to the people watching; it's very interesting to me. And I wanted to ask you before it gets too far along here: Do you uh, pour your own lead? I do. Um, and that's another thing that it's just who you know. Um, I do buy lead if I need to, or I find it at a really good price. Um, but I've also gotten lead from, you know, the local plumbers union, you know, for a case of beer and they give me a bucket. Oh, of lead. wow. Nice. Of lead. So, you know, it's who, you know, um, that's right. it's always better if they're fishermen and I can just give them a few dozen jigs and they're happy. I'm happy. Um, but, uh, that's another thing I do in the springtime. I have some scrap lead in the garage um, where I'll go out with a big plumber's pot and a little five-pound fish's uh, witch's cauldron. That's what it looks like to me, just this big steel pot. And I'll, I'll melt the lead down and, and purify it and scrape off all the junk. And then I just pour it into molds and save my ingots for when I need them. So Awesome. Yeah, it's always good. It's always good when you go fishing. If you get skunked, as long as I find a jig or two on the on the bank that someone discarded, I feel a little bit better because I'm bringing home something. So. There you go. That is awesome. Well, you know it. Um, I noticed we're getting people telling us how great a show this is, and I had the feeling that this would be this kind of show because of the quality work that you do. And this, like I say, I've been following you for a long time. Um, and I like the stuff you that you do. Uh, and I've noticed that you do a lot of Mylar stuff um, that a lot of people kind of got away from. Yeah, you know, that's just one of those. It, a lot of the material, I've, I have such a large collection of it. Um my father back in the day, his credo, <laughs> um, his, just the way he would do it. He, he would tell me that buying hooks and buying materials is like putting money in a savings account. And I always, I always thought he was being ridiculous. Um, but I'll tell you right now, when I have to go buy a, a thousand hooks, the price that I'm paying for now, I wish I had those 10 boxes that he told me to squirrel away, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but it's the same with material. That's why I have so much of this material, you know, the old universal vice dad used to be a sales rep for them as well as uh, Mustad. Um, so when he would go, that was his thing. Uh, if, he went to a bait shop and they didn't need jigs. Well, do you need hooks? Oh, you don't need hooks? Well, do you need fly tying material? Oh, you don't need fly, mile, fly tying material? Well, I got a bag of tails also. You know, so it, that was always his hustle. Um, and then with his salesman job, he knew every back road and every bait shop and every lake in New York State. And I think as part of his sales route, he would throw jigs in the back of the car as well and do his regular job, but also hit, hit all those places. Um, that, was his thing. 
Very industrious of him. Yep, that's that's a great way to do things. Well, Jay, I can't thank you enough for being on the show with Mark and I tonight. We appreciate you being here. Um, well, I'd like to thank both of you. I was tickled when you asked if I'd be on the show. It was very unexpected. Um, a lot of I don't necessarily know if what I do is um, all that interesting, um, but you get a lot of good feedback. I'm just doing what I do, and I'm I'm so pleased that people enjoy it. So, um, well, I enjoy it, and the quality yeah. of work that you do is exceptional. And I want to make sure that everybody goes over and checks your your page out, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and subscribes to your YouTube channel because that's what gets us up to the top of the page: is likes and shares and subscriptions and Absolutely. comments. Comments at the bottom of videos is a lot more important, I think, than people realize it is. But if you like the stuff, tell the people that you like them, no matter what channel it is. And, and I think that goes a long way with the algorithms these days. So um, check out uh, Jay Outdoorsies. Uh, you'll like it, I promise you. And, and, and you'll see Jay in the same setting as he's in tonight because he's going to be sitting right there tying off of that same vice. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> make it yep. making some exceptional stuff. I definitely plan on stealing some of your ideas, Jay. So any any if you have any questions, you just let me know. I'll we'll do, but... open. I'll tell everybody all my secrets. So that's, right that's the way we do it. And and uh, folks, thank you so much for tuning in on a Thursday evening to visit with with Mark and I and Jay. We appreciate you being here. We have another great guest coming up next week. Don't forget Monday night, Catfish Weekly, and followed by the Catfish and Crappie podcast. And then we'll be back next Thursday night. Jay, thanks again. Hang on for just a second. We'll end the show, and then uh, uh, we'll visit for just a, just a minute. Mark, you got any closing awesome. statements? Uh, just thanks, everybody, for tuning in tonight. We'll see you on Monday if you're not at CatCon this uh, uh, weekend. If you are this Friday, I'll be there this Friday. If you're standing around, don't be shy. Come up, say hello. Uh, introduce yourself by your channel name or your username, um, and then we can we can do a little talking. I'm 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 looking forward to meeting everybody. So I hope you have a great time. Thanks everybody for watching. We'll see you next Thursday night. Thanks guys. Have a good night. Thank you.